In the future, roving bands of comic book podcasts will savage the wasteland, once known as the internet. One podcast, the Grawlix Podcast, may not be the biggest, may not be the funniest, may not be the most well-spoken. Wait, what was my point again? Oh yes, the Grawlix Podcast. Listen to it at GrawlixPodcast.com. That's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com. Welcome to the premiere of Moose's Monster Mash, the show that's made for horror fans by horror fans. Here we celebrate the scary, the terrifying, and the macabre. On this episode, we talk about Halloween's 1 and 2, Rob Zombie's Halloween's 1 and 2, and the newest reboot that replaces the original Halloween 2 and everything that followed. Confused? It's okay. We'll get you through it. No reviews, no ratings, just fans talking about what we love. Don't you touch those speakers. You're not imagining things. This voice really does belong to your host for the evening, the Monster Masher himself, and the master of the macabre, Moose. Thank you for joining us on Moose's Monster Mash. Also joining me on this episode is a friend of mine that can be heard playing with his bands, Graveyard Smash, Before I Burn, and Secret Weapon. And if that wasn't enough for one person, he is also a host over at Daydream Instruction Manual and part of the last Starfighters group. Ladies and gentlemen, the man of many talents, my friend and yours, Mr. Billy Zombilly Peck. Hello, I'm happy to be here. Extra happy to be your first guest talking about my most favorite franchise. Well, and that's, and that that's why you're here. I mean, uh, uh, out of anybody in my friends and contacts list, there's nobody that I could think of to go to for this movie particularly. Cool. Well, I, I appreciate it. I mean, you are my Halloween guy. You are my Myers first guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it, it's funny because we started out, We've been friends, what, two and a half years now, I think? Uh, Yeah, roughly. Yeah. And we met at small convention in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Constellation. And... I think it was... Was it nine or eight? Might have been nine. Okay. Because they just had ten. So. so I think it was a year before that. Yeah. Um, But, so... Yeah, you know, if anybody wants to know how to make friends, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Uh, for instance, we were, uh, I was having a really crappy day and, you know, Billy was out doing his podcast thing and I was getting ignored by people when I was trying to sell my uh, boards and I just, I, I wanted to snap. I wanted to just let it go. And I figured, you know what? They're podcasters. They can handle the mm-hmm. uh, brunt of my uh, burst. Yeah. 
And as they're walking by, you know, see, here, here you guys come, you're, you're, you're walking by, and it was just, buy something, you know, and I think it was Anthony. It, yeah, back, it started with Anthony. Looked yeah. back, and he's like, what? I was like, you heard me, buy something, you know, and that's, it, it just built from there. Right, you know, and it was funny, because, like, I didn't. I didn't take it as like, uh, like, hey, you jerks, like you need to buy something like you were actually like mad or whatever, you know, but like it, it's it's an interesting thing at, at conventions, um, you know, like people walk through and, you know, if it's if it's something that they're not actually interested in, like they walk by to like show interest, like as a respect thing. But then they like quickly skate by and try not to make eye contact, and uh, so yeah, I would imagine you were probably going through that. You know, it's it's it happens to every vendor. Oh yeah, it's that and, feigned interest and right. And then I mean, at least you could do is acknowledge somebody when they say, "Hey, how you doing?" Yes, exactly. I agree. And you know that was uh, you know what we always like to do. What Underground Inc., my former podcast, liked to do was. Um, we would make our rounds and go through conventions and look at all the vendors and, and then we would kind of put a game plan together to like do a video or podcast or, you know, uh, interview some people or something. And as we were making our way through, Anthony was a little bit ahead of us. And that's when you said, buy something. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, then from then on out, the whole rest of the weekend, yeah, we just went back and forth to each other's tables, talking, hanging out. We put some stupid story together. I don't even remember what it was. I feel like it had something to do with Ronald McDonald. Or... It was uh, a take on, and I'm still working on this, actually. So there you go. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was a take on the Fast Food Wars Yeah. from Demolition Man. Yeah. And uh, the different gangs is like uh, Demolition Man, Fast Food Wars meets Warriors. Yeah, right, right, right. Yep. And, you know, each gang was a different you know, food Robert franchise. The gang and the, the, uh, the Colonel, <laughs> you know, would be like Clockwork Orange or something. Yeah. And, yeah, like, no, I remember now. Yep. So, no, that's the cool thing about conventions <laughs> is um, it's such a tight niche group of people that, you know, you know, it's basically a whole bunch of nerds that a lot of them didn't even really have like a lot of people to to geek out with growing up. And now you're all in a place together and sometimes you don't quite know how to interact. But when you do you make real fast friends. Oh yeah. And, and mo a lot of times friends for life. Like I went to my very first convention in 2006 and I still, you know, whatever, how many years later that is 13, uh, 16 years later. I don't know. I'm terrible, horrible at math. Um, but Join like, the club. <laughs> um, like there's still people that I run into from, from that and, just about every convention I've ever been to and with us being, you know, in Omaha together and, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, two and a half years or whatever it's been, doesn't seem like a long time for, you know, 
great relationships, but it kind of seems like that's a, a common thing. Uh, and that's cool. So, yeah. Um, so you start adding all the shows that we've done together. Right. And, You're yeah. like in the trenches together. Yeah. And, uh, and those yeah. two years go by pretty quick, but mm-hmm. you, you have a lot of it, you know, ingrained memories and right. It's not just, Hey, I've known you for two and a half years. Right. Yep. Yep. I agree. So yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how we've gotten to know each other. And then just, uh, you know, talking back and forth online like people do and, 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 and even discussing, uh, future projects together and helping each other out with projects. And, uh, you know, just like this, you know, it's your first podcast and, uh, you've got a, a pretty good, you know, support group of people who are in the industry who are willing to help and talk to you and get you started. And I'm, said i'm happy to be uh the first official glad to have you here you're actually part of the reason that i ended up starting this because when i first watched uh rob zombies halloween yeah i think you and i for about two days were back and forth online having a conversation about it Mm -hmm. and i realized it's like wait a minute there's not really a place to just sit down and talk right i mean there's you can go and you can hear people's reviews. You can hear people critique the movie. I didn't want to hear that. I just wanted to talk about what I liked about the movie. Mm-hmm. Celebrate the movie. Yep. Yeah, I mean, every movie is going to have its downsides sure. and its, you know, shortcomings. But you, anymore, you don't really get to hear about that. You you, you always hear the negatives. Yeah. And you, you, what I find is, especially in the horror genre there isn't really a place where people go to celebrate that genre as a whole. And I was like, well, let's change that. So here we are, mm-hmm. which brings us to the very confusing timeline of the Myers verse. So is that something that you want me to try and break down as simply as possible? Well, I mean, there's, if my understanding's correct, there's essentially the cinematic timeline, which is just the numbered movies, one through sure. current. There's the Jamie Lee Curtis timeline, which involves See, a couple of reboots. Right there, it, like, it, uh, the Jamie Lee Curtis timeline is split in, in two, three different uh, three sections. Three now, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. So it, it um, already, you know. And then the newest <laughs> one, which wipes out everything and starts anew so so basically the way the halloween franchise was supposed to to be um it was never supposed to be a michael myers franchise it was supposed to be a halloween franchise as in every year or every couple years or whatever a new halloween movie would come out but it would be a different uh scenario that would happen on halloween so the so very first that, and that one, would make perfect and, sense. And you'll 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 get this uh, as soon as I say the title. The very first one was supposed to be called Halloween: The Babysitter Murderers. Yeah, that makes that's, perfect sense. That's all that movie is: The Babysitter Murderer. Uh, the second movie was supposed to be Season of the Witch. See, um, that would have been a better follow-up. Which than is two. part, which is part three. Um, but uh, yeah, it was supposed to be Season of the Witch. And 
that's that's where things would have went. I, and I I don't know this as a fact or anything, but I feel like uh, John Carpenter's The Fog was probably also supposed to be like a Halloween film, and since it since Halloween became what it did, uh, the fog just got turned into its own thing. That's just my own personal speculation and belief. But anyway, yeah, so we get Halloween one. It it surprises uh, the studios and, and whatnot. And they're like, well, make one more Michael Myers movie and then do what you want. And that's kind of where as much as we love Michael Myers, as far as where the, the plan was supposed to go, that's kind of what ruined the franchise. And, uh, <laughs> you know, for, again, not not that the franchise is ruined, but that's what ruined it for, for the plans. It made it a little convoluted. Well, and, yeah, so by the time Part 3 rolled around and it was back on the planned course, everybody's like, well, where's Michael Myers? This movie sucks. It wasn't up until just within the last couple of years. It's it's it very well embraced by the the horror community. But uh, so anyway, um, you got one and two. Uh, if you go back and you watch that first film, it was never supposed to be that Laurie Strode was Michael Myers' sister. Yeah, say so it's not mentioned. It's not into that. No, it's, like it, she's it, just there. Sometimes, like. It's hard sometimes to go back and just watch it and be like, oh, yeah, you know, you know. So it's like, oh, yeah, it's it's his sister. Like, you watch it, though, and you're like, no indication at all. Second, they had to come up with that. Like, well, why is he going after these people? Oh, well, let's just make her his sister, you know, half-sister, adopted sister, whatever it was. I don't remember. No, I think I just made that up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so... One and two happen. You basically can just skip three as far as the Michael Myers saga goes. And uh, they try to, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis isn't coming back for part four on at this point. And so they're like, well, how do we connect it? Well, let's make uh, Daniel Harris's character, uh, Jamie Lloyd. Let's make her Laurie Strode's daughter. And... Basically, like, she had to give her up for adoption or something. It's a trend with that family. Right. <laughs> so Michael Myers is now going after his niece. So then that's part four. That's part five. Part six is like, well, you know, the, direct, the, the writer wanted to come up with reasons like, why is all this stuff happening? You know, he was left with a, a very weird open ending, ended fifth film. Where, where why, do, why is all this happening? There's this weird man in black in part five that gets, get, helps Michael Myers escape from prison or a jail cell, I should say. What, what, is, what is this thing? So he comes up with the idea, well, let's take it back to uh, like old school Celtic, Samhain, Salwin origins. And he's part of this cult, the Curse of Thorn, that every however many years these stars align on Halloween night. It all is actually part of traditional Halloween lore. And uh, he, he's specifically going after his family members, after his own bloodline. So that's why 
they make that connection. And then after part six, Jamie Lee Curtis decides she wants to come back to the franchise. It's been 20 years. But in order for her to come back, it is we're going to disregard every film I was not in. Seems kind of condescending. Uh, so, you know, part one, part two, now Halloween H2O. Part seven is now basically Halloween three. <laughs> as far as the original Sto- uh, Laurie Strode timeline goes. Oh, yeah. And she has a, a son uh, played by Josh Harnett, blah, blah, blah. Then Halloween Resurrection comes out with Buster Rhymes. Uh, she gets killed. And that is the last of the original franchise. Then Rob Zombie comes in. He does his part one and two. And they try to, to come up with something to do with the part three. They can't quite crack it. A few years go by. It ends up being now 40 years later from the original film. So, what happens every 20 years? Jamie Lee Curtis comes back. <laughs> and this time, they wipe the slate clean again, and they go back to the first film where they are not related, and it just so happens that, you know, she has been suffering basically from PTSD this entire time. And, you know, shenanigans happen. Michael Myers gets out and they have a confrontation again. Jimmy Lee Curtis, the Pennywise of the Myers first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's actually a pretty fun uh, little, like, timeline thing that someone wrote. So this has changed a little bit, but there are four Halloween Part 2s. There are four Halloween Part 3s. There's Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, Halloween 2018, which is the sequel to the original. And up until just recently, when they gave, finally gave it a name of Halloween Kills, the, the new one that'll be coming out next year, it was being referred to as Halloween 2. Really? It's like, but that's technically part three. Duh. But so that's three, four, whatever you want to call it, Halloween part tunes. And then, so Halloween part threes, there's Halloween three. But that's not part of that timeline. So Halloween four is a direct sequel to Halloween two. So four is the new three. Right. But then, forget all that again. Halloween H2O is then the new Halloween Part 3. Which makes Resurrection the new 4? Yes. And then, now that there is a sequel coming out to the 2018 Halloween, Halloween Kills, that will be a Halloween 3. All right. So, yeah, as, as, as Moose said earlier, if you're not confused... That's okay. <laughs> or if you are confused. Uh, so hopefully that helps. I don't know. Uh, so but, you might have to play it back and break oh, it down sure, a couple sure, times. Sure. But um, <laughs> we got you through it. But we're not going to, you know, we originally talked about like, man, it'd be fun to talk about all the movies. That's kind of the best we can do to talk about all the movies. Because that took a decent amount of time. Yeah. That's... Just, just 
breaking down the timeline. I say, yeah, we'll have to do another episode and cover more movies. So I thought it'd be fun just to do one and two, one and two, retcon. Yeah. Uh, We'll do all the part ones and twos. Which, honestly, the original one and two, I think I mentioned this to you uh, online the other day, could have been one movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 interesting, like, knowing as much as I know about it and, like, knowing that it wasn't really supposed to be a part two and all that, like, it's like, well, I mean, sure, I guess it could have been made as just one movie, but then, like, it kind of couldn't have been because there was, it, that wasn't, like, a plan. But yes, like, you know, uh, hindsight, if it would, if they would have been like, yeah, we can, you know, do that, like... Two is the Lord of the Rings of the Myers franchise. There's just a lot of walking. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a lot of time spent in the hospital. I mean, basically the whole thing is in the hospital. You know, it, it picks up as soon as the first one ends. You see that there's uh, still a couple of trick-or-treaters out. Someone thinks Michael Myers is there, and it ends up being somebody in a mask uh, with blonde hair. Uh, Michael Myers mask with blonde hair. And it yeah, was, poor kid. Yeah, Ben Tramer. Yeah. Uh, fan, fans are petitioning uh, to get Ben Tramer in the new film because technically, you know, he's talked about in the very first one. He gets killed in the second one. But now since the second one since it erased, people are like, we want Ben Tramer. That's that poor guy. <laughs> I say, and all of that actually brings me to my next question. What is the link, in your opinion, how does Michael always find Lori? So... Because he he doesn't strike me as a bright man. He's not a dummy in any way. But, you know, I mean, he doesn't strike me as, you know, that super sleuth. So, uh, to, to go back to part six, where I said that the writer decided that he, um needed to find answers now this wasn't necessarily what like the plan was you know for the parts one and two but but what he came up with and it's considered canon for that timeline at least is that because of these um ancient celtic runes and and all that type of stuff um that there is there is a, 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 a bloodline connection and it, it has to do with, again, like ancient Celtic, you know, uh, magic and ritualistic stuff. And so he is, he is connected to them by a force of nature per so se. He will always be able to find his family. Yes. That's why he was able to find his sister, Lori. That's why he was able to find his niece, uh, Jamie in, in Halloween six, uh, his niece, Jamie Lloyd is killed rather early and she has, uh, so there's other family members that he starts going after them. Obviously the first Halloween's a classic. Yes. I mean, came out in what? 78. Yep. I mean, it, it, it's listed as, and will always be a classic Halloween yep. Yep. Um, movie. I mean, it's you. Watch, it's one you watch every year for in October for sure. Yep. I 
do have one problem with it, though. The casting is unbelievable. Okay. The cast is too old. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think they were probably, you know, early 20s. Like, I, I can't buy them as high school kids. Um, and I mean, it, it would have been an easy fix, too. Just, you know, it's our freshman year in college. We're home and we're doing some babysitting. Yeah, I mean it's it's a nitpicky thing, I know, but yeah, you know that that's a I I I'd have to look up what their ages are. You know, I think that they were again. I think they were late teens to early seventeen, 20s. eighteen. Uh, Myers, I think, was supposed to be twenty one. Uh, something along those lines. So I know he well, was. Well, and I'm 20s. talking like the actresses themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a thing of it's very very common. I mean you know, step outside of the franchise, that, that series, you know, look at the very first Spider-Man film, you know, with, with Tobey Maguire and James Franco and Joe Manganiello. Yeah. They're all approaching 30 in real life and they're high school kids. Like they literally on set had to, um, like be like every three or four hours shave because <laughs> no five o'clock shadow for you popping through so my point with with explaining that is like it's a very common thing in hollywood that and it's kind of changing now but like i mean the american pie films or anything like, yeah we're we're talking like all these kids are in their 20s and it's because um they don't necessarily trust a, a whole group of children actors yeah they say that children actors and animal actors are some of the hardest to work with because of schedules you know uh, so uh, uh um like there's laws to uh like if you are an actual teenager or a, a, a child you have curfews by law that they have to stop filming. Well, all of Halloween is, is shot at night. Yeah. You know, for the most part. So how are you going to get children actors? Um, I could see, you that. know, and that's, you know, that's digging real deep into filmmaking, but like I said, I mean, that, it's a nitpicky no, thing. It's though. just, especially now when you go back and watch it, you're just like, they're 17. Right. You know, you go back and, you know, watch the Harry Potter films. Almost everything's a day scene or they're inside. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it's a hell of a workaround. Right. Yep. Do you think a lot of the massacre could have been avoided if they didn't keep, you know, the the Myers thing like a big secret? You know, when Myers gets out, don't tell anybody, you'll raise a panic. Would would you have handled that situation differently? Uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I know that's a pretty common thing. Does the Halloween series do that? The uh, officers like, okay, if he's out, don't tell anybody. It'll it'll cause a panic. Uh, just find him. Okay, bring so him like in. in like the second one is when that would have started to happen. Um, it, it wouldn't have happened in the first. I say in the first one, they didn't really believe that he was out. No matter right. how much out Loomis, the, yeah, no, no matter how much Loomis said, "Hey, he broke free. He's headed here." And they're like, "That's you know, a hundred and some miles." You know, that's whole, poppycock. Right, that whole 
he'd have to drive a car. You know, well, he was driving right. last night. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so like, you know, if if we're going off of like, you know, in the in the second and whatnot, when it's like, you know, don't don't talk about it or whatever. Like, you know, if that's a scenario, I I, I mean, it was literally that same night. You know, um, and, and it's I don't know, like something like that. Like it's it's relatively isolated. Like it wasn't like. I mean, it, it was it was two houses across the street yeah. from each other, and a group of kids that were killed. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like a a town killing spree where something happened. You know, a mile this way, and then a couple blocks away, and then th- this over there. Like it was, you know, all in just a couple houses. I want to jump franchises. Okay. Uh, because I want to do a character comparison. Sure. Loomis in the original. Mm-hmm. How did we go from he's the intelligent, I'm trying to warn everybody, doomsayer. Sure. To in Rob Zombies, he's the scapegoat. He's in it for the money. He's, you know, I mean, he still had some of that. Okay. I have to warn the town, but it was more to write the book. It was so just... we're, we're talking again, the second film, you know, uh, I, I, I think, I think, you know, the, the first Rob zombie film, other than giving some origin stayed pretty close to what the story was. Yeah. Uh, the second one. So again, this is, this is the behind the scenes filmmaking stuff. The original second one was put out by Universal, which was a different company than the first one. And so, like, the it, it's rights issues. Uh, you can't tell the exact same story. Mm. So, what do you do, you know, like... Let's so, make the doctor money hungry. So, this is, this is, you know, and I guess if we're, you know, jumping around a little bit, this is very... So, here's here's a controversial thing. For the most part, I would say that there are more people who, you know, at least the vocal, you know, the vocal minority or whatever is sometimes what it's called. I'd say that there are more vocal people who dislike Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 than who like it. I could see that. And a large reason for that is because of how different it is. I've heard many times, you know, to stay on the Loomis thing, Loomis would never do that. Well, Loomis, he's a character. How do Loomis you know? Would never do that in the John, Car- John Carpenter series. This isn't John Carpenter's anymore. It's Rob Zombie's. It's a different take. And um, I mean, it is actually a little bit more believable. I mean, if you had that kind of access to what would eventually become like the greatest, not great, I guess greatest is the wrong word, most popular serial killer. Right. And have known him. current times, you know, for when the movie's out, yeah. And have known him since he was a child. You're going to capitalize on that. What I love, so this was the controversial part. I love that movie. Like, I, you know, most people would say, oh, the first one's my favorite of the franchise. You know, there's always these rankings, you know, and, and they're always different and they're fun to see and they're fun to do. My favorite Halloween film is Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. <laughs> oh, I imagine. And that, that that could make people go, what's wrong with this guy? He's not a real fan. I mean, 
I think my knowledge about the series has kind of proven like I'm a pretty big fan, just that alone. But anyway, it's not a competition or anything. Um, what I love so much about that film, and you don't see it very often, is it deals with people's lives. You know, I know it's fiction, but it deals with real people's lives after something largely traumatic happens to you. It's called PTSD. And how do people deal with it? How do people handle it? Everybody, everybody's and alcohol. mind handles it differently. You just said you'd handle it with alcohol. I, uh, you know, I did for a while. You did, oh, you, did you know, um, you know, so like where, where does, where does Loomis go? He lets the fame go to his head. He takes advantage of that. Where does uh, Daniel Harris's character, Annie, where does she go with it? She tries to uh, straighten her life out. You know, she was in the first one. This isn't, you know, female shaming or anything, but she's like kind of like one of the, the bad girls. She's she's one of the whores. Yeah, she overcorrected hard. And she decided I went through something traumatic I feel like I should fix my life. She became she becomes vegan. Um, you know, this and that, whatever. Um and uh she kind of becomes like the responsible one of the house. Um, you know, the, her dad, uh, Sheriff Brackett, Brad Dorf, you know, he's always out working. Lori Strode, she like she lost goes, it. yeah, she lost it. She goes into party mode, drinking all the time. I don't think it really shows drug usage, but it's probably a thing. You know, her room is you know covered in you know rebellious type of posters. You know, I think she even has like a Charles Manson poster or something. You know, everybody handles that kind of thing differently, and they touch on that. And I think where some people don't really pick up on that a whole lot is the theatrical version um, cuts a lot of that out. Yeah. Like, there, there's a very specific te- uh, um, scene where um, where Daniel Harris's character, Annie, like they're sitting around like the, the kitchen table or something. And she goes, one day at a time. And Laurie Strode goes, yep one day at a time and they kind of smile at each other and then it cuts and it goes somewhere else in the director's cut. (laughs) She goes one day at a time and she's smiling, but it's because she's full of shit. And she, you know, I don't know how much you plan on having, uh, you know, language on your show. Oh, that's fine. Um, she goes one day at a time, one day at a time. I am tired of always hearing this bullshit. And they get in this argument. Like, they're not even really, like, friends anymore. They just happen to live with each other, and they went through this traumatic experience together, and their lives went such different directions. They don't even really care for each other anymore. They just deal with each other. Because they have to. Because they have to. And... And, you know, Lori is the pity party and Danielle or Annie is the, you know, like, and she even says, she's like, I went through the same exact thing you did, you know? And, um, you know, so it delves into that stuff hardcore. And I love the story that it tells with that. Yeah. 
So anyway, that's that's Halloween too, Rob Zombies. That's my my um, on the pedestal, my podium, whatever you call it, my soapbox of that's that's some of the greatness of that film that I think sometimes gets overlooked because. Michael sees visions of his ghost mom in a horse. And we'll touch back on uh, that one here in a minute. We'll give you a chance to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are kids safe in the originals? And even uh, Rob Zombies. I mean, not that I'm complaining. I mean, I don't think kids should die. But it it just seems... Like anytime he approached a kid, it was just like a, Hi, how you doing? And yeah. Um, you know, uh, if, if you go with the idea, you know, this is a thing that's kind of a debate of whether Michael Myers is just a guy or is, is he this force of evil? Um, you know, I don't have the greatest answer, but it seems to me like it's, it's because like they don't serve a purpose there. They haven't really gotten in his way of what he's trying to, you know, get a hold of. Like, like at the beginning of Halloween, isn't there like a kid running or something? And he like grabs, like they run into him and he like grabs the kid and he just kind of like moves him. Just out moves him out of the way. Yeah. Just keeps going. Or in uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween too, he sees the little kid dressed like a clown and he's like, yeah. are you a giant? Can we be friends? Like, and then he just keeps going. Like you even see it with like, it, 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 it like the only reason, like, why he uh, like kills the dogs, like dogs barking and like giving away that he's there, so he just he strangles the dog, uh, or he eats the dog for because he's you know a hobo who needs food. So he needs the nourishment. Um, you know, uh, I I think it's because they they don't serve a whole lot of purpose, and other than that. Like I said, I don't think that they've really gotten in his way. I don't know. Someone else might have a better answer. That's the well. Best see, I it, it's always been one of my uh, biggest questions because it's like, okay, does it show the one little shred of humanity that's left in and reminds him of? Because you know, you know, even in the newest one, like he he kills a couple people, you know, on his way to getting to Lori, but. Like, there's a baby in a crib, and he just kind of stops, looks at it, keeps going. Yeah. Kids are off limits to Michael Myers. I mean, I guess everyone needs to have their uh, boundaries. Sure. To his or kids. I guess so, yeah. Um, so, do you think, with as classic as it is, the original Halloween still holds up today as it did when it first came out in 78? Um, I think with the way horror films are going nowadays, I think so. You now, know. do you mean in the whole everything that's old is cool again? Well, or... I mean, maybe a little bit of that, but more so like the style of horror film that comes out now. Like there, there's a company called A24, and they put out stuff like The Witch and Hereditary yeah. and... Stuff of that nature. And they're more, like, slower paced. Um, you know, you compare the first Halloween to Rob Zombie's Halloween. Rob Zombie's is, it. it's cut together fast. There's fast. So it's very fast paced. There's, it's... 
bigger sound production. You know, it sounds more brutal um, where the original is more subtle. Things that are coming out today, you know, there are still, you know, some of, you know, the faster pace, you know, like, like it or something of that nature. But, but there's, there's more of these kind of more art house that, you know, like, I guess the common term form is elevated horror because it's, it's more about the, the thought process of things as opposed to the just mindless slaying of things. Well, you and I've talked before, I think I've mentioned that, uh, you know, my favorites are the universal classics where it is that slower pace that, you know, half of it's left off screen. Right. the, the, The swell of the music you get, the you, you get to let your imagination run a little bit more than yeah. you do with a lot of the newer stuff well and you know like there's there's a movie coming out again from a24 and it's the director of the witch and it's completely in black and white uh it seems like it's in one location it's called the lighthouse hmm. and it, it it's starring willem dafoe and robert patterson patterson and um it looks in Incredible and so Willem Dafoe's creepy looking anyway. Right. So and again, like this whole thing is it's in black and white. It looks old school. Um, you know, there's a movie called <coughs> Tomahawk uh, with with yeah. Kurt Russell and Sid Haig, and it feels like an old western. It is slow paced. Um, I say it has that uh, man called uh, Death vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, my 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 point is with with bringing up movies like that is there is a market again for these slower paced films. You know when when Saw and Hostel and the new Rob Zombie Halloweens and House of Thousand Corpses and stuff like that were coming out. Um, you know, for a younger generation of movie watchers who are going to specifically horror films, not as much. You know, there's people who go, who at that time would go, I like Rob Zombie's better because that other one is old and slow and boring. Yeah. But now there are a handful of movies coming out to theaters that are older aesthetics, slower, and could be considered boring. It's just because it's more about the atmosphere and the feeling of things and the story being told. So I think so. Sweet. It's actually a pretty good segue that you've mentioned Rob Zombie's Halloween, I think, four times now. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, now we're going to talk about Rob Zombie Halloween 1. Yeah. You know, originally I was going to compare it to the original. I, I don't really need to. I mean, overall, the general story is, I'd say, is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts with the kid. He kills his, his older his, sister. His older sister. Yep. Uh, thinking Rob Zombie's, he kills his stepdad. Yes. Yeah, you know, it, it... I mean, adds a little bit more, but end of the day, it's eight. You know, A to Z. It's fairly the same story. everything that you knew happened in the original but didn't get a C is what Rob Zombie did. My favorite part, actually, about Rob Zombie's Halloween is... And if you haven't caught this, I encourage you to go back and watch it. Look at when young Michael starts forming his, uh, like, torture fetish. Yeah. And even when he gets out, like, his first kill with uh, Danny Trejo, Mm. he always has the mask on when he kills. Yeah. If the mask is off, he's 
a quasi normal kid sure. or adult. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it kind of plays with that dual personality. You know, in order for him to kill, he has to be behind the mask. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. I mean, it showed that he wasn't just a uh, mindless killing machine. It was, okay, there is a darkness to him, mm -hmm. but it's not something he can shoulder every day. Now, later, obviously, he could, but when he first started out, there was no way to shoulder that the whole time. Right. Yeah. You know, again, like, that's that's kind of with what, what Rob Zombie did was... Um, he basically just gave answers, uh, you know, and, and I know there's a lot of people that have issues with that because, you know, originally it was left open to your own interpretation, which which when that happens, you know, like there is not necessarily a right or wrong answer. It's your own interpretation. Um, if I watch that first film, like that's what one of the big complaints is in, in zombies is that they made him human. They humanized. And Ooh, in that first film, he's not, he, he's not like some evil entity. He's a guy. Well, I mean, even with the split personalities, he's still, I mean, you could tell he's a whack job. I mean, he, sure. he, he, you have him torturing animals. You have him, mm -hmm. you know, but, but that's, they that's, build him as a serial a killer. Poor, that's due to a poor upbringing. You know, that's not that, that there's some evil embodiment that's taken over him. They that's what that's what some people think. No, those people apparently don't pay attention to serial killers. They Ted Bundyed him. Sure. I, I mean, basically, they gave him a more realistic serial killer. Yes. Story. Yeah. You know, you start out as the odd, the oddball, and the mm -hmm. secluded kid who had the really crappy childhood, and you snap. Yeah. And then you spend your next 20 some years locked away listening to doctors tell you that you're screwed in the head and right. all this and you snap again. Yeah. And sadly, when he got out, he snapped on the one friend that he had those 20 years. Right. You know, and I felt that was a senseless death. I mean, you know, he I was mean, good to him. You know, but, you know, that's uh, I think that's what's supposed to let you know, like, yeah. The, the, the change uh, uh, it happened Myers isn't isn't messing around you know kills that the change the it one. finally yeah he'll even kill those that are close to him right okay so we've and, established and, i mean i guess you know sorry oh no go but ahead. to like to go back to like the kids thing why didn't he kill kids well they didn't serve a purpose they weren't really in his way Danny trejo's character was trying to like let me put these handcuffs back on you let's get you back to your cell at this point, he's You're right. done. He's done. He's getting out. Whether you want him to or not, he's on his way out. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that, that makes sense. He wants to find his sister. He has a connection to her because you can even see, like, at the beginning, he's like, oh, hey, boo, you know, like, patting her on the head, being nice to his little baby sister and... Let's say that was, she was the one thing he cared about. Yep. So we established that the original Halloween has a staying power. Yes. Here we are 41 years later. Mm -hmm. It still holds up. Mm -hmm. If you could guess, would you say 41 years from now, Rob Zombie's Halloween would huh. have the same staying power that the original had? I mean, I can imagine it will in certain circles. We'll keep it alive. Sure. But I mean, I'm talking grand scheme so, horror genre. You know, what? I'll give you, like, my personal feelings on it. Like, I, I still really enjoy the movie. I don't like it quite as much as 
as I once did. No major reasons. It just, it doesn't. So like Devil's Rejects is my favorite of anything. Oh, for sure. And when I heard that the guy that just did my favorite movie is doing my favorite franchise and favorite character, Michael Myers, I'm all in. Yeah. And I actually saw that movie three times in one day. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, you know, like, and it starts with God of Thunder from Kiss, which is my favorite band, yeah. and, like, all this stuff about it. And, and so, like, I loved a lot about it. It has a great cast. You know, the theatrical version has Bill Mosley, you know, has Sid Hagen, it has Ken Foray, has all these horror movie iconic actors in it and i would say that you know moving forward with years to come i think you know we already lost it hang now yeah now he has a small part in it but you know i think that people will want to rediscover as people do with a lot of things house of a thousand corpses was relatively hated when it first came out so this might end Guilty. up with the uh, i did not like house of a thousand corpses the first time i saw it at all i love it now so i thought it was too gory when i the first time i saw it i thought it was just senseless gore i had some weird unrealistic expectation of what it should be and i couldn't even tell you exactly what i wanted but it's like nope didn't do what i wanted so uh, that was just dumb thoughts on my own. But, like, you know, you go back and you look at reviews of things when they first came out. And, like, you know, the hot thing, you know, right now is Robert Patterson's going to be the new Batman. Oh, this going to suck. He's the guy that sparkles in Twilight. Blah, 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 blah. Well, just before thing. that, oh, Ben Affleck. Like, he's, blah, yeah. You know, um, everybody's like, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton. We go back and look at the reviews. Oh, yeah, he got the same treatment. hated that he was going to be in it. He can't do that, this and that, whatever. Say, so this is outside same of his thing, wheelhouse. Same thing, you know, now Star Wars is bashed on. Oh, the, you know, the fandom menace. That seems to be the thing to do these um, days. And I'm guilty of it, too, you know I mean, I mean, it happens. If we don't like something, we don't like something. That's fair. Yeah. But, like, the original Star Wars was hated. So... All this time later, they build up these new followings, new people watch them, you kind of get this appreciation. Yes, I think it'll hold up. I used to be part of the Halloween message boards, and, you know, back when being part of message boards was, was a, thing. a really cool thing. To do. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, like, a lot of people on that message board who hated Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, years later, they go back and watch it. That That's a big thing. I always consider, like, if you are a fan of something and you watch it once and you go, I don't know, give it a little time, watch it again. Because there's something about those things that you're supposed to enjoy. And and you watch it and, you know, for that first time, you're, you have all these thoughts of what should happen and what shouldn't happen. And once you know what something is and you watch it on its own merits, a lot of times we'll go, oh, that's actually pretty cool. So I think over time, these movies that are are a little disliked or or whatnot, they will be appreciated and like they'll build their own kind of cult following yes. that'll build and that's the long winded answer that I you know I do for everything. <laughs> but that's the long the scenic route to that, yes. That's the long winded answer of yeah. I think um, at by you know another forty years or thirty years at this point thirty. Two, um, because that came out in two thousand seven, I think. Yeah. Or eight, whatever. 
Um, you said it. I said, yeah. We're splitting hairs. Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, you know, in another whatever, it'll. I think it'll have people that are like, yeah, that movie kicks ass. <laughs> well, okay, I've given you a chance to uh, mellow. So let's go back yes. to uh, Rob Zombie Halloween Two. Okay. And as you noted, the most one of the most controversial things is the whole time Myers sees the ghost of his mom, mm-hmm. the white horse, and then that gets amped up with Lori seeing. Mm-hmm. The ghost, the white horse, and young Michael, mm-hmm. who then ends up holding her down in the shack at the end. Yes. Did any of that actually happen in the movie? Or was it just Laurie's imagination? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think there was, you know, an actual... I don't think, like, Michael Myers, little kid Michael Myers came back. I think that was... Uh, that. Even as a baby, that was her last vision of him. And, you know, there's, it's common with like twins, like they, they feel some connection to yeah. each other. I think that's all. I don't, I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think little kid Michael Myers somehow actually resurrected. I think it was her vision. The other question, is it possible uh, Michael wasn't actually in the second movie? Lori's the bad guy. Nah. Look at Annie's death. She was able to plot that scene to the letter of how Annie died in that bathroom. So, I mean, Um, it it kind of begs the question. Are you saying, like, because there's, like, little flashback things? Are you saying that's what Lori... Like, she's seeing it, and we're supposed to think it's kind of like an Inception thing. I mean, my opinion, no. I I don't, you know, like, those flashback things, I think that's just cutting in and out of... She is, uh... She's witnessing, you know, her friend Annie, who is dying or just about or is dead or whatever and i just think thematically just as filmmaking goes like it's just intersplicing what happened to her i don't think those are visions that Lori is seeing you know what happened well i mean the reason i ask is because it brings me up to the biggest question i had after watching uh the second rob zombie movie did any of halloween 2 actually happen because Halloween 2 ends with Lori in a straitjacket mm-hmm. in a mental hospital, mm-hmm. losing her effing mind. So is it possible that is essentially the end of one? Okay, not the end of one, uh, because it starts with they pick her up from uh, just after wiping out uh, Myers, right? Yes. So she's freaking out at that point. So the next logical place to go is probably the loony bin. So did she imagine all of two in the nut house? Um, you know, that's uh that is a thing that people um have have wondered, you know, what that that ending means. And I, I and I think that's one of those deals where it's just kind of open for interpretation. Is she dead? Is she actually in that, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's in that mental hospital because she's on the bed. She's smiling. It's a long room. The horse shows up. You know, it, it, is she even alive? Because yeah, I mean, there's so I much that that ending left open. It's it's such a shame we're not getting a third, like just final installment. Yeah. To, even if it were just like a forty page 
graphic novel to finish it out. You there know? was filmmakers that I'm I'm fan of that uh, they did the the remake of uh, My Bloody Valentine. They did that film Drive Angry with Nick Cage. It's a it's a it's a duo um, of uh, the writer Tom Todd Farmer and director Patrick Lussier. And uh, they had a really cool idea of how they would pick up from the events of the end of two and be able to turn it back into a more traditional, original feeling. Hmm. There might be a script of that floating around. Here's hoping. So I would, if I can really do some research, I can maybe find it, which would be cool to hear, but... uh, yeah, if that were the case, then, you know, no Lori, you know, she stayed alive. Uh, and she really is in the nut farm. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, you know, that didn't happen. So, again, it's still left open. I say it's up think. in the air as to what happened. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's 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 just the continuous dissension of, like you said, she's lost her mind. She's been losing her mind the whole movie. Yeah. You know, I think that's all part of her PTSD and as her, you know, she's already messed up because of the events that happened. Then she finds out in this book that she's his sister. That messes her up even more. More secrets. And it just keeps going further. And then she finally meets him. And then she starts seeing these visions of her older brother as as the little kid and the mom and all this stuff like it's such a, a mind that it's finally what just ends her 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 mind to me she's just it's cut and dry that she's in the the psych ward and she just happens to now be seeing the visions of the horse and the mom and the kid and all that but that doesn't mean that, that that's right that's just the way that i i go and that's that's one of the things i really liked about uh zombies movies is yeah it does leave it for you know okay what did you take away from it i mean like as corny as it is it's kind of like a therapy session like his movies are like a rorschach print what do you see yeah you know that's something that i don't think he gets enough credit for um you know uh, i think people watch his stuff on the surface and go oh all he does is write foul mouth redneck characters which is true yeah I mean, I mean, Lords of Salem isn't that way at all. But anyway, you know, that's that's a whole nother conversation. He uh, he puts so much detail into every character that like if you if you you can pay attention to you can single out a character and know almost like no 90 percent of the character's uh, story, not not 90 percent of the story, but 90 percent of the character's you know, not every single character is going to be that way because there's background characters and whatnot. But anyway, yeah, he just he puts a lot of detail into stuff, makes it to where like you're looking into all that and all this this story and whatnot of like you said the Rorschach. You know. Yeah. Well, let's go back to uh, I guess not back. Let's move forward to go back. Yeah. We're McFly in it here. Uh, <laughs> to the new uh, Curtis Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Was it necessary? I mean, to just blow out the entire movie verse and say, okay, this is where we're at. So after Rob Zombies ended and it was clear that they weren't going to go back to that, the thing that I wanted the most, because I'm, 
I'm not a. I don't have issues with uh, remakes and sequels and all that stuff. Like remake my favorite characters, I don't care. Remake my favorite movie, I don't care. I'm gonna watch it. And I'm gonna give it its fair shake. So doing that with with Michael Myers again, what I wanted more than anything was like, okay, just give me Michael Myers. I've already seen, you know, figure out the timeline however many different versions of the Laurie Strode and family <laughs> scenario. Uh, you know, you got the first timeline, you got the H2O timeline, then you got the remix. Everything has to do with Laurie Strode. And I wanted, I didn't want that. I didn't want any more family connection. I just want Michael Myers doing Michael Myers things. I don't need a family connection. Yeah. So then it's announced Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back. And I'm like, more Laurie Strode. <laughs> ah. But then, you know, because I pay attention to the stuff and whatnot, you start finding out she's not going to be. It, it's going back to the first film where they're not related. Like, okay, well, you you got me half, half, you got half of what I wanted. I said I didn't want any more family connection. I said I didn't want any more Laurie Strode connection. Well, at least it's not family connection anymore. So it can move forward in a different way. Yeah, was it totally necessary to do that? Maybe not, but I, I ended up liking what they did. Can Michael Myers be killed? Or is are we going to find out that he and Laurie are tied together in like a yin and yang sort of way where to kill one, the other has to die. So, you know, I don't know if this is still a thing, but this is again, knowing the inner workings of things for the longest time, it was in contracts that you can't kill Michael Myers. Of course not. Like when you're writing Michael Myers, you can't kill. Like well, Friday the You 13th, can't kill your main guy. I mean, like Friday the 13th, like there was a final chapter <laughs> It like that was the legit plan. Part four was going to be the end. Not that they were gonna make four, but they were like, okay, we can't keep doing this. So this is this is the last one we're killing. Him. That it that has been written in the clause of Michael Myers. You can't kill him. So can he? Unless they decide to change it, I don't know. That that is up to the the rights holders. <laughs> <laughs> um, can Michael Myers be killed in the fictional world? I suppose we don't know. This is the first, you know, we've talked about like a little bit. Is Michael Myers a man or is he an evil entity? Um, I, I, I really honestly always felt like in the first movie, he was just a guy who happens to be immortal. Well, <laughs> you know, this, this goes back to backtracking, but like, you know, he, he got shot. A few times. We don't know if those... And fell out a second story window. So? People fall out of airplanes and their parachutes don't go off and they live. I mean, he could just have one hell of a threshold for pain. Right. And, and that, that is good a, on him. That is a thing with, with psychopaths. Yeah. You know, you can go through the series and see, like, in the second one, he was blown up. But then in part four, like, there's a, there's a hobo who... Uh, nurses him back to life. Yeah. Uh, you know, because he had the burn thing and, you know, whatever. So, the, 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 you know, it wasn't until part six that we see that, well, it's because of this, uh, you know, supernatural cult thing that he has connection, but that, does that make him immortal? I still don't really know. Anyway. He's with, got friends in high places. Yes, he does. I start to believe in this new 
series, like if when they go to um, the mental institution at the beginning, the the podcasters, I love that too. It's podcasters <laughs> that yeah. reawaken Michael Myers. <laughs> Does this Mike, mask it, do anything to you? It, yeah. Like you notice like the dogs start freaking out. The other patients start freaking out. Like birds start flying over. Like there's something not natural happening. So now I, I, I you know, it is still pretty subtle and left open, but I really Except think those are the things. people holding the mask who are completely oblivious to what's going on. I don't know if it's if they're oblivious or if they they're just so focused on trying to, to get Michael Myers to turn around and speak that they don't care what's going on. Because even the doctor is standing there. He's like, keep, it's okay. Keep going. Keep going. Jeez. There's two more movies coming out for this, right? Yes. Yep. Where do you think they go from here? I don't know. I really don't. I had a good idea where they were going to go with, with this one. Um, like it was, it was never, it wasn't really announced right at the beginning. I just was kind of putting pieces together to figure out that it's not going to be a uh, relation. Yeah. Wise. Um, so where do they go? Like, how did Michael Myers get out of the, uh, the bunker that he was trapped in? I think maybe he's going to get nursed back to health by a bo- hobo. Maybe I like it. Uh, the the best theory that I heard was that Laurie Strode was so prepared for things that she probably had an escape route in there for if she, for some reason, yeah. stuff, that she would be able to get out. So maybe, maybe Michael found a way to get out. Maybe that's where we find out that he is evil incarnate. And where do they go from there? Yeah, I, 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 don't, I really don't know. Say the way I picture it is, uh, he got out because, yeah, we didn't really see him, we saw him and then fire, and Mm -hmm. that was it. I think her it was her granddaughter, right? Yes, is gonna end up taking up the mantle, so to speak, of the Myers Hunter. Oh, okay, yeah, and they'll just be, uh, the the, uh, people in charge of putting down Michael Myers. I think that would be a good twist that we haven't really explored before. You know, we've had the familial ties, we've had, you know, strangers. Well, now let's have a group of people that their sole purpose is to put down Michael Myers. Yeah. And I think that would be an interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's what uh, that's what I think is exciting about it moving forward is now I don't really have an idea of, of exactly where it's going. And I like that. It's always fun to speculate. But is that where it actually goes? Imaginations abound. Right. The problem is when you let that imagination become what you think the reality should be. Yeah. And then go, didn't match my uh, fan theory, it sucks. Speaking of imaginations abound, we've covered the movies. Mm-hmm. Now, let's do something I'm going to do on... I'm going to do something similar to this on every show. And I want to ask you, how would you survive a Myers attack? Say you were in a situation where, okay, we're in your basement right now. Yeah. Myers broke in. How do you get out alive? Um, well, I think it's relatively simple for me. I don't think I even really have to worry about it. Well, that said, I mean, looking around what we have here right now, I, I gotta say, you're, uh, 
chances are uh, pretty slim, unless you're seeing something I don't. My chances are slim of of making getting it out of life. getting out from this room anyway. Sure. <laughs> I, I mean, we're we're sitting in the quintessential '80s man cave. We we have DVDs, we have toys of from turtles to horror to everything. I mean, we we have prop weapons. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could fake them out, I guess. <laughs> um. I, I think I have a very unique connection to Michael Myers. Um, I think I know what you're talking about. I, <laughs> you know, so th- this this goes back to the uh, original timeline. And I've talked about part six a little bit. Um, it is... It's revealed at the end of part five, and then they explore it in part six. But Michael Myers has a tattoo, and it is the Curse of Thorn. It is an actual ancient Celtic rune. Um, And I have, in the exact same spot that Michael Myers has it, I have it tattooed. Now, anybody can go and get it tattooed. But, rest in peace, John Carl Beekler, very famous um, special effects movie artist, probably most famous for directing Troll, the original Harry Potter film, (laughs) and probably what's considered the best-looking Jason, uh, Jason, uh, Friday the 13th, New Blood, Part 7, first Kane Hodder film, um... He did the special effects makeup work on Halloween 6. I got the, the opportunity to meet John Carl Beekler at Crypticon, a convention in Kansas City that we're both very familiar yes. with and love. He was there, and I asked him to draw the Cult of Thorn on my right wrist exactly how he would have on Michael Myers. And he's like, well, why would you do that? I was like, I'm going to go over to the tattoo artist and get it tattooed. And he's like, what? Sure. You know, those things, you know, the common, you know, those things don't go away. And I'm like, no, I, and he's like, okay. So he draws it on me. I go get it tattooed. I come back and I say, I got it. And he looks, he's like, yeah, that's, uh, that's permanent. It's like, you are now officially part of Michael Myers cult. So you just be like, look, it's my get out of jail free card. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's how I very simply, like, because if you watch that, like, he is, he's kind of at their mercy. Yeah. You know, the, the druids, he's, he's at their mercy. He listens to them. Um, it's so, so do I have to worry about Michael Myers or does he have to worry about me? <laughs> Well, I think this has been fun. We got good stuff. This is exactly what I said. You know, a couple fans just sitting back and talking about what we love. That's pretty much the whole point of the show. It's what, just... uh, I know I know this is your show and you're like asking me the questions and, and stuff. But like, what what do you love about the Halloween series? It's a problem with interviewing podcasters, folks. Uh, I like the simplicity of Michael Myers 
just the cold, calculated. I mean, he, he's always calm. He he has a, him and uh, Jason have a lot in common. Sure, they have that just cool and collected. You, you don't really phase them. They'll they'll just go hit their target, whatever gets in the way of them and their target, and keep going. You know, you, you get that nice mix of slasher gore and demented sociopath. And that's always struck a chord with me. Because, I mean, you get guys like Freddy who are just gung-ho. They're really, uh, like, they have that exuberant, just almost flamboyant sure. uh, killer personality. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's just like... That's you don't really need that. I mean, it's fun, but it's very look at me, look at me. Yeah, you have to be the center of attention. Yeah, yep. I mean, yeah, they even made uh, Michael and Jason the center of attention, but it's still they can hit it from the shadows. They can. Yeah, I mean, the filmmakers have made them the center of yeah, attention, but they don't but care the one way or the other. Itself doesn't consider themselves no. the center. No, no, it's very much hit it and quit it. Freddy, Freddy's whole thing is, I want everybody to know me, know my name, know me, make me strong, ah, you know. He has that uh, Beetlejuice mentality. Sure. You know, if you don't know who he is, he has no power. You know, whereas with Jason and Myers and even Chucky, really, they'll get you whether you know who they are or not. Yeah, yeah. It's not till later that Chucky's like... Fine, I'm in the doll body. Know me. I'm yeah. funny. <laughs> you know, it, it's... And like I said, that's honestly what I always liked about Halloween was it was, if Myers is going to get you, he's going to get you. Yeah. So that that was always the key to making this a good franchise. Yeah. That and the music score. Mm-hmm. You know, John I mean, Carpenter. Carpenter's uh, music on top of just that slow somber walk i mean i don't think michael michael myers would work if he was a runner or anything like that he has to be that hulking mass that just stalks his prey and gets you yeah and you couple that hulking mass with carpenter's soundtrack it's perfection it is it really is you know to to talk about just briefly for the about the music um when they did like the early screenings for like the the producers and they didn't have the music yet they're like oh my god this is unreleasable this movie is so bad and then all they did was go back and put in the music and they're like oh my god like can't believe you added all that stuff, all the gore, all the, and it's like, I didn't add anything. But it makes you start envisioning things that aren't actually there. Well, that that simple mm-hmm. piano dun-dun. part. Dun-dun. Dun-dun. You know, and then the... You know, of course, you know, the, the, the The classic Halloween music. Yeah. Uh, the same could be said with uh, Friday the 13th. Sure. And the... You know, you know something's about to happen, and yeah. you, it revs you up. And you're yeah. like, "All right, let's go." You know, I mean, see, look, goosebumps. goosebumps. Just thinking about it, I love it. You know, it, it's 
the stuff like that that gets me jazzed up about horror movies. It's it's the little things. Mm-hmm. And I really wish a lot of the newer production companies would go back to some of the simpler things. I mean, you figure, and again, I'll harp on it again, the Universal guys, they relied on music, on shadows, Mm -hmm. on just cinematography to get their point across. It couldn't be gory. Right. Mild jump scares. I mean, it was horror, but by today's standards, it's pretty much a joke. Sure. But back in the day, that was something that, I mean, it blew you out of your seat and would give people nightmares. Nosferatu. You know, you get the hand coming out of the dark room. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a silent movie. Yeah. So for a silent movie to have that kind of impact impact it's it really is the simple things and i think that's what a lot of uh movie producers are missing these days is you know everyone's like okay we have to hit the next box office uh smash yeah dial it back go back to basics well and like i said there's i think there's more of them than than you realize uh I, I usually find them after it's been uh, oh. after it's too late uh, because the smaller production companies don't get the uh, advertising. Right. But that's a topic for another Maybe, show. But neither, neither did neither did Halloween. You know, Halloween played in one theater. Its opening night was in one theater in Kansas Kansas City. Horror Kansas is, City. You know, horror is the redheaded stepchild of the cinematic universe. Oh sure. Yep. I mean, it's always going to get dumped on. But it always Except here. is there. It always makes... I mean, of course, there's, you know, the, the, the ones that are flops or whatever. But, it, you know... Even the flops are decent. Right. You know, it was one of the biggest money makers. Yeah. You know, uh, stuff like um, It Follows... That was a small budget, not much uh, advertisement, and it just, holy crap, it picked up. Yeah. And people started going, you know, and that's that's another, like, very simple, makes you think, um, very Carpenter-esque type of music. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's nice to, to have, like I said, it's nice to have some of that stuff coming back. Oh, yeah. So why don't you tell the folks listening where they can find you? Um, I'm open on Facebook, uh, just Billy Peck. Uh, you could probably even search like Zombilly. I think I think like just the straight address is like Zombilly or Facebook.com slash Zombilly Horror. Uh, that's how much I love horror. It's like in my title. Yeah. <laughs> um, Twitter at Zombilly Horror. Um, those are where you can find me directly and I'm always advertising, uh, the things that I do in my descriptions. You can find daydream instruction manual. You can find graveyard smash before I burn all that stuff. So, um, at zombie horror is where you can usually find me Twitter, Facebook. Those are the best places. I don't have an Instagram and yeah, uh, daydream instruction manual is just a, it's a, it's a podcast 
you know, we just talk about uh, kind of, you know, things of nostalgia, and we'll talk you about dimwits. Yeah, us dimwits. Adrian <laughs> <laughs> instruction manual, dim for short, dimwits for moose. Because it's a lot shorter. <laughs> yep. Oh, so, yeah. That's uh, that's some of the stuff that I do. Graveyard Smash is a horror punk band. Uh, so if you're if you are a horror film person, and that's why you're here listening to all this, um, the best thing that you can listen to to me in the horror realm is is my band Graveyard Smash. Nice. Do you have any gigs coming up between now and uh, Christmas? So, um, my band, Before I Burn, we just released our first single. Um, you can find it anywhere. Um, it's called Should Have Listened to My Friends. Our next show is October 22nd. The cover band that I'm in, Secret Weapon, we do like uh, 80s kind of like dance rock stuff like Footloose or, uh, you know, Poison or... You know, stuff like that. It's a very interesting polar. Eh, you know, it's that, <laughs> that band is all about like entertaining people in general. Oh, yeah. You know, most people don't necessarily go out to uh, original bands to yeah. dance and have a good time. They're there for more like a concert setting. This is, you know, for people to just have a good time. Uh, we'll be playing a Halloween show at the waiting room in Omaha called... Uh, or on October 26th. Um, again, all this stuff is, is if you go to my Facebook page, you'll, you'll see it. I'm always posting the flyers and the event pages and stuff for them. So. As always, you can find me on Facebook at Moose's Marvelous Woodburnings or on Twitter at Paul Harder 3. I just want to thank everyone for tuning in to the premiere of Moose's Monster Mash. I hope you had, uh, would you say that it's a graveyard smash? For you, I will. Okay. <laughs> uh, we hope you enjoyed your time with us. Tune in next month for another all-new episode. This episode, I'm Moose. He's Billy. And until next month, mash on. This has been Moose's Monster Bash. Come back for more chills and thrills if you dare. <laughs>Next month, we are joined by Mr. Grawlix himself, the one and only Mr. Randall Sylvie. Join us while we take a look at some of George Romero's finest work. See you then.